Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm Lee Sanger Golden, and this is LGR Liberal Guilt Radio. Well, folks, it's been quite a couple of weeks. Our wonderful president in exile, Donald John Trump, is dropping from ballots left and right. Colorado, Maine, all these busta-ass states <laughs> trying to throw our man, the Donald, off the ballot. And um, what's our take here at LGR? Well, the whole thing is we have this 14th Amendment, right? And it basically says, like, if you're a person in the government, you cannot have been an insurrectionist uh, if you want to run for office. Basically, they threw this amendment in after the Civil War to be like, yeah, all those guys who's, who – seceded from the union you guys like can't be congressmen anymore and it specifically lays out a couple of types of uh, officers of the government that you're not supposed to be but it does not mention specifically the president but it's sort of assumed like president is like ultimately an officer you know of the government but that's kind of what this was all about and um People are saying that Trump can't run because of the 14th Amendment. So they're um, trying to get him off the ballot. And it's succeeded so far in Colorado and Maine. But obviously, this will go up to the Supreme Court. And it's just a hot and heavy season for the Supreme Court, although they said they're not going to hear, they're not going to fast track Trump wanting to get a ruling on presidential immunity. But anyway... It's just so crazy, Ben, because we've got this president who is battling through the courts like a like a it's like a, someone released a, a bear into the courtroom and he is just running wild and biting people and threatening people and going on his phone. And eventually all of this madness is going to filter up to the Supreme Court upon which he has um he has nominated and placed uh three of those justices three that's a lot and uh it's more than uh um obama did in two terms i think see i personally think it should just be you get one per term or you get two per term and you just kind of nobody like People can either resign or die or whatever, but it kind of just keeps rolling. You're spot on. Um, and I just want to like highlight some of the some of the words you use. I think also you draw them out a little bit, calling it something like a season and that things have to rise up to the top of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. which, you know, we both read a lot of history and philosophy. If whatever form of government has gotten to the point where nine people in robes or however they're dressed, but they're all dressed in the exact Mm -hmm. same way. So there's an element of regalia there. And, you know, we don't call it the Supreme court for nothing, but (laughs) that sense of summer in the Supreme court. Exactly. It would be a great band. Um, (laughs) But that, that is how in our current day and age, a lot of people think, and a lot of them being liberal radio are liberals. And 
in like the modern or sense of FBI liberalism. agents trying to identify <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. But like what's really interesting is like our modern, what we call liberals, mm. both liberals and conservatives that we use them today are both take on their, a lot of the a- attributes of a, of modern liberalism. Right. So a lot of times it's just a false dichotomy. But anyway, it's just like it's very true. And it kind of like shows that just if you think about it as a game, like a very complex, multidimensional, beyond mm-hmm. chess game, it's like when a system of government gets to the point where one of the main parties, uh, whether you want to call it a party or a faction or a clan or whatever, mm-hmm. just some group with its own inner workings and hierarchy where the hierarchy has all agreed that one of their primary strategies to retain power is to try to get someone off of the mechanism in which people say this yeah. is the person we want. So it's like you're kind of flailing when this needs to be because it and it's interesting that his name is Trump because a lot of the charges are trumped up charges <laughs> for lack of a better term. And it doesn't mean that he's like a great angel. But and, the Trump, they're but using the my time, own name against me, Ben. They're right, using my own deal. name. They're like, Trump, we're going to Trump you, Trump. Exactly, and that's why Trump it's so you. interesting. But because I'm holding the Trump card, Ben. He's holding the Trump card. He is Trump, so trumped up charges. <laughs> but that's what they don't get. That they're, They just bounce back off him. Well, it seems like a absorbs them. No, he takes them in. And so he gets more power. Like when Yoda sucks up the They don't listen to those voices. Exactly, they don't listen to the voices that sometimes your enemy... Mm. every attack they're actually absorbing the power you have to attack them in a different way but the people right now in charge of the liberal clan it sounds like a zelda call, bad guy like you're coming in and we're like well we've tried to attack him with fire and use that power but that didn't work so now we realize we got to use ice yeah i hate that but i don't know much about zelda the bad guy in the wrong with the you're attacking the bad mechanism. guys but isn't but isn't zelda still from like an empire like a, I don't really want to get. Into I don't the, know enough the about politics that. Politics of high rule, but um, yeah, but it's like so. It's very. It is very interesting. And some states are gonna. I'm down for high rule. Very, by the way, I think that those Supreme Court justices, if they were high, we'd be getting way better decisions out of this. But the point oh, is, for sure. this seems like some kind of Republican type scheme. When I first heard this, I was like, "Oh, that's sneaky. That sounds like." I can't oh, yeah. believe the de- the liberals or the Democrats are doing this. No, it's some conservative law group that it's always a conservative law group that comes up with these zany ass schemes to use some some civil war stuff <laughs> to stop the Donald from starting a new civil war, but possibly starting a new civil war, ironically, by keeping him off the ballot. I mean, let's let's face it. So that that started to track way more when I heard it wasn't liberals actually doing this, that it was conservatives. Because I do think this is going to backfire because, you know, what we've seen over the last 20 years or so is the Republicans have just taken over all of these state houses across the country. So, you know, even if we start, we, we can elect as many uh, presidents and Congress people for our side, quote unquote, as we want. But a lot of these uh, these state houses are pretty entrenched with uh, Republican partisans. So I don't know. I'm sure they're going to pull some shit. We've already heard one congressman say, you know, you better be careful because we're the ones that ultimately decide the election. It's like, I guess. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's it's in. Yeah. And it's also it's that sad decline where it could take a very long time, but it's like 
most of the talk these days isn't about the things that say a politician or a business person is supposed to deliver. It's all about how the game works to get to those positions. And as the zeitgeist is filled more and more with that talk, right, it becomes like inside baseball. We're like, if you don't know all the little terms, you're like, well, I guess I'll just wait till this conversation changes and eat some fucking delicious Doritos or some <laughs> chicken wings. You know? There's always, and then you go back and, and then the topic changes, but it's just like, Every time I tune in and read something in any mainstream media outlet, I'll always go through like at least six or seven that I think of off the top of my head. There's just so much content about just how the yeah. game works. Well, and then I and I saw one of the charges that they're trying to bring on Trump is an interpretation. It was either something from like the financial crisis in 2008 and like nice. take like clause of one of the provisions and be like, well, this could apply. And I read it. I'm like, this is so general. This is what you're pointing to. That's why it's like a trumped up charge. You're like, this is searching pretty deep. You're basically saying like, do I have my allies in our justice system? So who knows if it delivers justice or not? So just call it a court system. And so it's like, it shows that in a certain way, what's going on. We're actually right. read. I mean, this is only one. I know there's a ton of cases. I did not go to the level of rate every single one. I have no interest well, in that. Um, well, but the, I did see the, one. It's using some like su it's super obscure reference. It's like if this is what your case is based on. It's basically saying like, do these people just not like the guy and will use their position of power and be like, oh well, it's the law or it's the court or they're a judge, so they're impartial. You're yeah. like, okay. Well, there's now, the if New you York want to tell yourself that, go for it. There's the New York trials about his his businesses, right? Then there's the Georgia trial about the election interference. And then there's all this court shit going. Then there was like the defamation trial, the Gene Carroll stuff and all that. I think there's some other shit out there's there like too. There's like eight trials and, and like 70 then, counts. And then there's what is this it up other to? thing of keeping him off the ballot. I don't know. Yeah, so, that's totally the, separate. That's the point like, is, yeah. The 14th Amendment, if you're an insurrectionist, you can't run. Okay. I would consider him to be an insurrectionist, sure. Unfortunately, for the people trying to do these rulings, he has never been Trump has never been convicted of that. Like January 6th, he got impeached for that, but he did not get uh, he did not get convicted by the Senate. So basically just oh, yeah. getting impeached essentially just means you've been like indicted you can vote of confidence or you've been you arraigned. Basically. It doesn't exactly. mean that you've actually been convicted. So I would say if he had been convicted of that of impeachment charge, I would say, yeah, the 14th Amendment would definitely disqualify him. Yeah. However, I mean, yeah. he's not been convicted of anything. He lost a, yeah. a, a civil a defamation trial, which he should have because he defamed that woman, but that's irrelevant. That's nothing to do with this. See, like, you so what like I think Nixon, it is I going know. on is like people just think personally, well, since I think that he's an insurrectionist, we should keep him off the ballot. And that's not how it works. I think he's an insurrectionist too, but that's not how the law works. You have to be like convicted as an insurrectionist. You can't just be like, I think this person's a murderer. And so therefore <laughs> they're a murderer. You know what I mean? Don't work like that. Yeah. So and then it just seems undemocratic. So it's like, obviously, yes, he did these crimes. Obviously, yes, he's horrible. And like, it's unbelievable that they're even putting him on the ballot. But no, this is not how you do it. If you if you can't beat him at the ballot box, then I'm sorry, you don't deserve it. Yeah. Or this it's is also some Republican that if the shit. other people, if the other like, as you say, uh, candidates that might actually, you know, like if I got on the ballot somehow, no, I'm not going to become mm -hmm. president. You know what I mean? Um, that. It's both that, would be that cool, the though. charges are real, but that if you look at the details and then you look at the uncharged, similar 
You'd be the first Brian's person actually of, is like riding the bike, riding your bike to work. No, but like what Joe I'm Biden getting at is like ride our, his bike, but yeah, you would actually ride like, it around the grounds. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but like going back to the Nixon, like we're as repugnant or repulsive as anyone thought his actions were. He had the grace and the respect for the institution to step down. What we mm. have right now is our grace. two that leading Nixon grace. <laughs> he did. He had that Nixon grace. And right now we've got the two leading candidates, one in the Democrat Party, one in the Republican, who both should have bowed out some oh, time man. ago or never have gotten involved in the first place. One of, and we know who which is which. Like one of them should have bowed out quite a while ago and the other one should have just stayed out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like you've been it's just like go to your soirees in New York and your galas and just chill, dude. So we've got two people. That if we had any that central that like you know hegemonic cultural feel of the idea of respect for mm-hmm. a seat in an institution that pre- predates you and operates neither such of these a people complex, deserve that seat. Yeah, they should have. <laughs> so we had just two absolutely repugnant people, and but the thing is, we live in this like hero. We just need a young president mentality. Again. We, need where, like a, we need like an adorable president. No one can we need a teddy him. bear like an, like Paddington would be we need a British teddy bear is what we need we need <laughs> okay. Paddington nice. as president I think I'm the president is better is better just as like a character you know what I mean like if it was just like oh, always. you would, you would, vote, you would vote for policies basically but the actual president is just CG and it's just like that would be I know I mean that would be great right I mean obviously we everybody could have their own president so if you want if you want the president to look like Trump, then you just like switch it on. Like, I'm the president. If you want to look like Obama, it's like, uh, I'm the president, you know, or whatever you want to do. You can have it sound like. What if the CG, so you get the CG president, right? Mm-hmm. And all of its dialogue, say, goes through <laughs> something akin to chat, chat GPT, which, as we've talked exactly. about, you absolutely love and adore. Exactly. But what it's doing is taking our. I am chat GPT. This is just, I'm just reading that's transcripts what I'm that saying. I prepared before. I had chat GPT prepared before the pod. Well, that's fine. So you're being super meta about it. What I'm saying is take only the words that we've ever spoken to each other mm. and put it through the machine-generated, algorithm-based um, text generation. So ChatGPT, as we're calling it right now, and the words spoken by our hologramic CG president is a computer-based analysis of our conversations. That's and it great. edits out anything that's actually specific to the question at hand. So it's not allowed to take. So if let's say they're saying like, should we build this uh, dam because we want water? We If we ever talk about the dam or the water, it gets at our opinion about out. that. Yeah. Nice. So it only can take just how we talk about things that are philosophical or historical yeah. or psychological or like super just conscious based conversation. Yeah. And take that and then make policy decisions. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, you know, like we had talked about earlier too, that we said when the alien species comes down, the fact finding mission will be find the most listened to and the least listened to podcast. Mm-hmm. So as we talked about, it's us we'll and Tucker Carlson. <laughs> the beginning of well, no, our we're be the least. will be the, the least. And then by the end, it'll be the most. Exactly. Because, you know, in a few thousand years, the aliens come down. They're because I the put least and the most. it all on a vision board, Ben, and I, I put stamps.com on that vision you, board. Yeah. So um, I know that's a lie because okay. earlier you said you actually pre-programmed all of your answers and now you're mm-hmm. telling me that you use a vision board. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. How, 
how yeah, but know, I have ChatGPT make the vision board for me. Does it? Do you have it also control my mind? Like I'm not going to buy that. Well, there's no point in trying to do that. They tried to do that with Spock. Lee, you have never used you have never used a physical vision board. You just keep it in your head until it's yeah. either ready for the voice or the written word. There is no mm-hmm. in between. You don't do vision boarding. I know it. No. Unless you have like a closeted vision boarder and it's like mm-hmm. an underground cellar, but no. you live in a liquefaction zone that doesn't exist. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's no point in that. It's, you would do. I went by your house today. I was like, wow, this ground is feeling shaky. Wow, that's that was just the earthquakes. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's just con- there's just constantly a low tremor occurring everywhere in California. I don't know if you've done. I know, seriously. Yeah, it's as well. We also noticed because now there's uh, online, you can see every seismic activity mapped. Yeah, I love it. So it's visually appealing, and you're like, oh, the earthquakes. Oh, like, did oh, you, you feel the text? Did you feel that? I'm like, what? Oh, see, I go to the maps and look at like all of the recent. You're like, wow, there's dots everywhere, every day. Dude, the earth's shaking it up. The tectonic plates, they're always on the move, man. They never want to take a rest. They're always. I think think one of our New Year's resolutions or goals should be to get one of the tectonic plates as a guest star (laughs) and come on our podcast. What do you think? What would they sound like? One of the tectonic plates. What would they sound like? Just like a low rumbling? Like someone using the bathroom for lack of a better <laughs> oh, okay. image. Maybe yeah. Okay, interesting. Cool. And then everyone has to well, That's it, man. Like welcome to the next five billion years of your life, tectonic plate. Hell yeah. I was thinking so, today about about living forever. So basically like my yeah. uh my daughter got this little cat that uh it's like a little robotic cat for christmas from grandma and you know there's always been like little toys that like you know walk forward that you wind up something about this one that trips me out is that like a cat it stops and like backs up a little bit and gets a little cat nervous like they've they've programmed this little robot thing to like have a little personality and there's like a little uh you know a little drama happening there we get a little performance out of her you know and um Watching that and then dealing with all this uh, chat GPT stuff and just AI stuff in life and in work and in creativity and in general, I'm just like, damn, we're so close to like our kids just having little robot dogs and kitties that just like talk to them and stuff. And like, I'm down actually, like I listen to audiobooks, you know, and it's just, it's some British guy like being like, and then Napoleon fucking did this and the Russians were pissed and the British were also pissed. Like might as well just be like a cat <laughs> sitting there telling me that, you know what I mean? <laughs> just a cool um, cat that sounds like yeah. Richard Burton. Telling your kids about how people feel about, you know, running roughshod over their country. Yeah, oh, the Russians were pissed. The British, yeah, the Prussians, right. they didn't like it. For one day a minute. So like, what? so you want so, your so you think all three year olds around the world in a perfect world would be listening to this every day. Is that what you're saying? This this program specifically? Or no, the uh the British Tim Yeah, the audiobooks. Yeah, he was fucking pissed about it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but I bring it up because today's theme of the week, and yes, I'm gonna do that today, is um the sleeper masterpiece. And I have been so fortunate this week to just randomly have stumbled across two sleeper masterpieces. So 
like there was just something in the news. I guess it was the anniversary of his death or something about Dennis Wilson, the drummer from the Beach Boys, who everyone's like, oh, he's the fucking dumb one. He he, you know, he he's dead. He drowned. Even Brian Wilson himself was like, he's dumb. But this dude honestly is the real deal uh, Beach Boy because he's the only one that actually surfed living on the edge. And mm -hmm. like all great rock stars, he didn't make it till 40. He was my age as oh. I am right now. He'd like, I think he died in the waves, man, as, as he wanted to be. And he's off wow. living the end Hopefully of the summer. The that he's the real deal Beach Boy. And it turns out he did release an album, one album in 1977. Pacific Ocean Blue. And this, I turned this on and listened to this, the first song. And I was like, this is like Neil Young and the Beach Boys, but with the trumpets from Chicago. <laughs> and I know this might sound like the worst record ever, but stay with me. I think that this record is a fucking masterpiece. And now there is a second disc that is his unreleased second album. So he actually did do two albums. And turns out this dude is a great composer, great comp uh, great uh, producer and songwriter. And uh, gosh, this is just a sleeper master masterpiece, Pacific Ocean Blue. And then there's this um, new Ridley Scott Napoleon movie coming out. I'm, I want to, you know, want to watch that because I just read this book about the Napoleonic War. So I'm all into that shit right now. <clears throat> but I was seeing like, what are some other good movies made about it? Yeah. And honestly, there was really not a lot there was one with rod steiger um and christopher Plummer called waterloo but it's out of print like you can't buy it or rent it but i mean that just means that it's on youtube and um this is one of the best war movies i've ever seen because it they were used fifteen thousand extras they used actual soldiers so there was there's no way hollywood could have ever produced this movie it was way too expensive but the the producer, the Italian producer, Dino De Laurentiis, legendary hack producer, but like a glorious hack, just like biblical stuff. The original Dune, the remake of King Kong, just like crazy expensive nonsense, just a, a gloriously wild bastard of a film of a film producer. But even he doesn't have the scroll to rub together to make this movie. So he goes to this dude who had directed like a four or five hour version of war war and peace who's a russian filmmaker and and granted this is 1970 this is during the cold war right and uh they cut a deal to do a half russian half um half italian production so not he was he was trying to get like john houston or some other director but dino gets this russian director who is secretly the best war movie director in the world based on this like Soviet produced war and peace that he had just done. So he gets a deal on that. And he gets a deal on the fact that he has like the actual red army, like setting up the land, moving stuff around, doing like basically film operation stuff. And then also being the soldiers, all of these carts and horses, 15,000 people. It's the largest war movie ever. And they'll never do it again because it would be too expensive and you can do it all with CG. But like even Peter Jackson himself, who was, I guess, like the king of the CG battle scene, he he said this movie inspired him. But this movie's out of print. You can't like legally get it. And it makes me worry about like film and media uh, uh, preservation, that this 
glorious masterpiece of a movie isn't available. Maybe it's some weird Russian like thing where like it's it's half owned by the Russian government or something like it can't can't be on Apple TV. I really don't know, but it worries me. My parents were just saying, like, oh, hey, we just got rid of a bunch of DVDs because, you know, we have Amazon Prime. I'm like, some of that stuff might be out of print. Did you throw any weight of my shit? You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like, I just bought a book. I just bought a book that was printed once in the 70s. He was a philosophy professor at Columbia named Robert Danoon Cumming, and he wrote an 800-page, including notes, um, book mm. called Human Nature and History. And mm. I can't remember the exact subtitle, but the entire thing is developing uh, a philosophical critique of modern liberalism. So he tethers around J.S. Mill, the, the son of John J. Mill, mm. um, and a really around his work because anytime uh, liberalism is taught, at least in the U.S., but most places, the kind of start is, you start with J.S. Mill's work. And mm-hmm. so what he does is develop, an, and I've only read the first 30 pages, and it's so just, it's both at the same time succinct but dense, where mm-hmm. everything you read is perfectly clear, but after you finish a couple pages, you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so it's a, but it's a, Great. and it's just, just beautiful critique of just showing how in the very beginning he gives you va- basically his thought of it. And so he uses the word flimsy and two other adjectives to describe liberalism in his intro, mm. but then goes on for 800 pages to pontificate on print. that. This book's out of print. It was only ever printed once. I went on yeah. eBay. There was a copy. I bought it hardcover, two volumes. It's two hardcover books because it is that oh, long. Yeah. And it went through one print. And yeah. it's going to be something where we'll bring it back up on the air next year, right. but I don't want to start launching into it because I'm being quite honest. It was very succinct, but you know what I get with the dense where a few pages in, you're like, I get what you're saying would be very hard to try to summarize this because it already sounds so well put together. Mm. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I just read three well, pages. The point of reading something is it that it pretty. should be summarized already, right? Like. You're not well, just, going and looking at like <laughs> primary documentation about whatever you're reading. You know what I mean? Exactly. But he's when he spends, uh, in he was described as like he was highly recru- reclusive. He never did the speaking circuits. He never did the the get-togethers of the professors. Respect at to the that. beginning. Fuck that shit. It sounds like he worked on this book for about twenty years, and it shows where like sometimes he sends. He's like, oh, I could write this. But it's like, could you write 800 pages of this? You're like, Jesus no. Christ. And there's no fluff. My guess is reading the, the person who's one of his students. There's just no kind all of work and describing no play it. makes Jack a dull boy for five No, this pages. is like all work and all work make Robert Denoon coming. Uh, Out of just, print. I, I just, well, no, but I bet his life was that ecstatic sense of discovery of knowledge. Did you as research you, why? Why what? Why it's not in print. Well, my guess is these kind of books are your not. Guess? Oh my god! Come on, man, show a little intellectual curiosity. Get your nose out yeah. of the book and figure out why someone burned this book. Because they that's didn't what I'm talking about. Could we make talk money. About like the, the publishers starting in the definitely in the seventies, but rapidly in the eighties and nineties, wanted to make sure this stuff they printed mostly would make the money. And this an eight hundred book critiquing like the foundation of our country and our business community is not really going to be like oh let's oh, throw yeah. this one out there it's going to run off the shelves people at that time by the se- by the 70s but definitely 80s and 90s 
most of these like philosophy books were like basically policy prescriptions in like 150 pages, super easy to fly off the shelf at Barnes and Noble and Borders and shit. Mm. So, you know, but it's okay. Like super easy if you can find one. Yeah. So it's not like if you print it, you're going to think, oh, Barnes and Noble, that place where you go pee and buy Legos. You're right. Like, unless you turn this into basically a. And get Starbucks. uh, Yeah, it's not going to happen. So. My dad met the bad guy, Martin Cove, from the Karate Kid movies at a Barnes and Noble. Yeah. He's like, my dad's dying on that for years now. Oh, I bet. This is like the highlight of his life that he met. Fuck with Crease. He met Crease. Does he like that it happened also at a Barnes and Noble? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck's that guy doing there? He didn't read. <laughs> but you have no, coffee Martin shops in there, you dummy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's probably what he was doing. He was like old cowboy actor. Like, I, I heard him on the, I guess it must have been the Kroll show. He was talking about gun leather. Oh, you know, guy, guys, for What's real, that? when he doesn't talk about a whole series of them, like gun leather. That guy's for real, oh, Martin Crease. Martin <laughs> Martin Crease. Martin Cove, aka Crease. That dude's for real. I don't know if Sounds William like Zopka knows how to ride a fucking horse or shoot a pistol. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but I bet if we had him on well, that's a the whole air, we could ask him. Yeah, we should have got his number, huh? That that's well, a whole like it. genre of guy that doesn't really exist as much anymore, is the like cowboy guy that actually has to have like cowboy skills because like nowadays like action star like yeah you got to be able to like move and look cool or whatever but like there's like kind of like basics of like shooting a real gun and riding a horse like i feel like that's a lost art i mean just look at alec baldwin he's you know was one of the biggest movie stars in the world he fucking shot that poor lady he's gonna handle a goddamn gun on the set like i i don't think he's a murderer but do you think that would have ever happened with keanu reeves it's still well. estimated to be almost 250 million pastoralists in the world. You nice. could maybe include like Montana ranchers, but <laughs> I don't think it's a dying genre. I just think no, no, no. In Hall, specifically be... as a as an actor, that uh, no, no that did, there's still say, that is dudes who know how to shoot guns and ride horses oh, as a I'm pro. Saying, yes, like, of course, because they moved on to Marvel comics, so you know right. that's what we get. Now. And those guys are cool. They're like but... whatever, you know. That's cool too. I don't know if Robert, maybe, I mean, maybe Robert Downey decided to ride a horse, probably, honestly. But anyway, so like you think about someone like, I mean, John Wayne sucks. Fuck that guy. But here's the dude who had like. Do you identify with the Joker? Like all of them that have ever been played? You're always like, yeah. Yeah. I I love the Joker. Yeah. Of course. I mean, like, we're all more like the Joker than we're like Batman. He's more this moral absolutist, like sulking. Do you know any. He's better than everybody else. Like. You know, any sort of jokers. That's why he's such an appealing character, because like we all have to kind of like hold our id back and not act like that. Whereas like the Joker is just free to smoke cigarettes, kill people and psychologically manipulate Mm -hmm. a psychiatrist and becoming her his uh, love slave for years and years. Yeah, of course. I love the Joker. You think a self-proclaimed would a self-proclaimed liberal today, though, ever self-identify? With Joker? I don't think so. What uh, do you think? Some liberals just want to watch the word burn, Master Gordon. No, I... Yeah, on the out. fringes. Everyone freaked That's out when f- that um, Joaquin uh, Phoenix Joker picture came out. Because they were Dude, like, I watched that on the plane. 
That's so fucking yeah. stupid. That, those people are such book burners. We're like, no, we can't let the Joker movie out. Fuck you. Exactly. Yeah. I don't feel safe watching Joker. All right. Well, then stay home and watch Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. And, and you know what I love that the Joker feel safe. That our lovely lib. I don't feel safe watching just, the Joker generality. movie. I've already, You're just saying no, I've already this is just the, the this is just the modern. This is just the modern equivalent of someone saying they're afraid of a movie. Like when a child is like, I'm afraid of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. There are now adults who are like, I don't feel safe watching the Joker. That's the right. same thing. And so, like, I'm afraid of scary movies. And as Orwell so, taught us, the best way to pursue censorship from the top down quickly is just to create a new word for it. And our lovely liberals have already created the term deplatform. <laughs> And so now it's like, oh, they're just more deplatformed, or the what is it with the algorithm pushing their results down? That also had now has a term. Oh, the dark ban. Like, it. I've seen it. I just shadow ban. So you're like the shadow ban. It's great when in the zeitgeist, it's like just don't call it by what it is: it's sheep and wolf's clothes, or, yeah. or wolf and sheep clothes. Wolf. And so it's very it's an interesting. Emperor and a wolf's sheep clothes. Yeah, and it's that exact psychosis you're talking about. Like oh, I feel whatever. Oh, when you watch this Joker or whatever. Whatever the thing is, and you're like, well, okay. I'm glad that you've added your book to this week's theme of the sleeper masterpiece, out of print works. Oh, this is 800 works. page, just beautiful critique of modern liberalism. Which yeah. once I read it three times, I can tell you all about it. So the guy who made this War and Peace, or I'm sorry, we made War and Peace, but who made this Waterloo movie? People said he had the second largest army in the world at that time. Because <laughs> he had these 15,000 guys running around with muskets and shit. That is a lost art. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like people knowing how to ride and shoot. John Wayne had his own his own pistol guy. Here in Long Beach. It's a little piece of movie trivia. Here in Long Beach was a guy who made custom cult peacemakers. And uh, that this is the guy where John Wayne specifically got his guns that he used in his movie. So John Wayne's a piece of shit as opposed to like, you know, you know, the, the nice, friendly, liberal views of Alec Baldwin. But John Wayne would have never shot the director of photography or whoever it was or woman and her poor fucking husband and kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's anyway, I mean, is anyone going to see that movie or is it just going to become like a morbid curiosity? Like the day the clown cried of fucking Westerns. But yeah, probably there's the a latter. perfect example of, you know, just modern neoliberal hypocrite being famous for going on TV and making fun yeah. of Trump and then just shooting one of the few women who was allowed to make a movie. Insane. Yeah. So back to the point, the sleeper masterpiece. This is why we need to, if you like some piece of media, make sure you hang on to a copy of it because the apocalypse exactly. might come and you're, and you're, you're like, well, I thought I had that on iTunes. You're like, you have the record. And let me tell you, you're not going to be able to ride your bike power generator fast enough to power back up your iPhone, but you might be able to get that Victrola up and running. You'll be damn glad you have that copy of Pacific Ocean Blue. And I just like a hunt. I want to go out and find this record now. And I want to find a VHS copy of Waterloo because these are sleeper masterpieces. I'm not worried about the Dennis Wilson shit going out of print, but I need to find this Waterloo thing. And you got, and if you ever see that book again, like what's the, what do you do? Do you scoop it up and try to give it out or do you just like let it sit there and hope that it gets bought? I mean, what do you do in that scenario? You hold it onto it for its own sake. And you like you it. said, you practice for the apocalypse. You're like, if we're going to have that in whatever form, what comes us to the next phase? And you're like, I'd rather be this book than say the Harry Potter collection. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Like I'd rather have right. the next group have to slog through this than be like vastly <laughs> and quickly entertained by Harry Potter. So I'm not saying like Harry Potter is a bad thing, but like if I have a choice from like, you know, the people that come after the apocalypse, they're not going to be like, Oh, could I read Harry Potter? They don't even know it exists. Yeah. So they'll be like, man, reading is really hard and it's crazy because you're reading Robert Janoon Cummings, 800 page critique of this thing he's calling That's liberalism. That's the only book which... that my fucking dad saved before the exactly. apocalypse. And he, he talks about saved... this thing called Harry Potter. I'm like, what is that? Middle... Why? Yeah. And like, I hate thinking, like, why didn't he just fucking save Harry Potter? You, you lose like one of the middle Harry <laughs> Potter books and your kids, Byron's like trying to read after the apocalypse and like, what the fuck happens? And you're like. Oh, I think I remember what happens in the butt fucker of Azkaban or whatever, but I, I don't remember how how crazy that would drive you. Like, but I got this copy of Newman Butts's whatever it's called, Communist Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so brilliant. It's so philosophical where it's not a manifesto. It doesn't read at all like um a manifesto is as right. you you know, the most well-known manifesto today is obviously the communist manifesto, at least in English. Um, oh no way, man! And uh, it starts totally different. Future, this is the driest manifesto. It's my favorite. Yeah, this is the driest, manifesto. most yeah. No, this is a dry description of something, yeah. something in its history and its ethos. Damn, and it's yeah. This is like, is everyone asleep yet? Good, because <laughs> I needed to put you to sleep. This Whereas Harry Potter and the Communist Manifesto, they're like. Why am I trying to read you to sleep? This is the most vastly entertaining. Wait, which Harry Potter was that? Harry Potter and the Communist Manifesto? Is that number three? No, I'm saying four? if you just, in terms of, yeah, no, that was. They're, they're learning weird shit at Hogwarts this year. Yeah, they're like, this <laughs> is, you're like, this was this, this was. No, it's well, gotten to what's gotten to. didn't know what the Philosopher's Stone, they didn't know what the Philosopher's Stone was in America, so they changed it to the Communist Manifesto. Exactly. They're like, what is this? It sounds like a manifesto. And then someone says, fucking commies. And you're like, oh, let's call it the communist manifesto. And they had no idea about the communist manifesto. That's exactly what would happen. Obviously. Exactly. We all know that. It basically names itself. So my, those are the best. Bring yeah. this up. My dad was just saying like, well, really? Lee, what do you think is going to remain? Cause I was, he was just like, well, every time I talk to my parents, it's like, it brings up the old Testament, like within the first 47 minutes. And it's just like, I don't want to talk about the goddamn Bible. Like, I don't think it's the good book. I don't even think it's a good book. Like it's fucked <laughs> out. Like, come on. And he was like, well, what do you think is going to remain? You know, it, it's, isn't it crazy that it's lasted this many years? And, and, you know, what do you think will remain? And I was like, honestly, Harry Potter and Marvel comic books, because that's the most shit that they printed. The Bible hasn't survived because it's good. It survived because people who wanted to use it to keep people to keep themselves in power printed hell of copies. They wrote it down over and over again, changing whatever they wanted to suit themselves. And then once they what's his name? Gutenberg got his Steve Gutenberg got his police yeah. academy together. We were able to. Press out as many copies as possible. So yes, Warner yeah. Brother Books has produced more copies of of that shit than ever. So yeah, people will still probably still be reading that. But unlike idiots now, they won't be reading Harry Potter and be like, oh, oh, those were the days when when wizards walked the earth, man. Yeah. <laughs> and ye old Hagrid said, and Hagrid showeth. Like they're not gonna believe it. They'll know that it's fucking fairy tales. Yeah. And one thing I read a great description of the old books that they're saying. And it was basically just the point that the writing style across different books is vastly different because some are poems, some are like morals, some are like agriculture. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
So, and it's everything you said. And then when you're the practitioners of it, come up with these elaborate new analyses or moral yeah. insights or whatever, it always has to be tethered to that one book. So it always stays around. So it's like, you could do that within anything. It could be Harry Potter in the next world, but the complexity of something like a religious text, whether it's the Bhagavad Vita or the Bible or whatever, it's at least when it comes to the Bible, more varied in its um, writing style. And it's just the whole yeah. thing would not, no one would believe it was all written by one person. You're like, you know this like is so. A manifesto is a cookbook. You know what I mean? It's Oof. not, it's not, it's the communist manifesto, but it's the anarchist cookbook. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's why, it's that's true. Why yeah. It's not a communist. You know what I mean? It's like, that, yeah. I don't know how to realize... shit. Only blow hard. No, you realize you got to eat at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Every about. single make Molotov cocktails and make free yeah. phone calls in the seventies. I think anarchism is the only political philosophy I've ever come across that still realizes that after all the words have been said, gotta eat, you still got to find water, food, and hopefully have some shelter. So it's like, well, we still all got to do that at some point. Mm -hmm. And then all the other ones are like, how can we get other people to do all these things for us and call it whatever we want? So the anarchists call it a cookbook because at the end of the day, they realize you still got to eat. You can't just sit around talking and delegating and bureaucratizing and financiering, you know? No. So that's why anarchists are great. And that's yeah. why we like that's why that's, that a, a great work. And it survived, yeah. even though it was like kind of a banned and burnt book. I really don't yeah. like, see, if you ban books, I really don't see any difference between that and just burning them, you know? And, uh, well, I, I mean, burning is even, or that's why I say like some of the like the strategies going on, say in like Florida with some of those politicians versus the ones going on with different people on the other side interacting, as we know, with social media and companies. You've yeah. got the book banning on one side because it's very visceral and in your face and historic. But on the other side, you've got the coded book burning or censorship in its most abusive form, which is just destroying uh -huh. by things called deplatforming. And having search, like I've seen more and more in either, you're usually investigative journalists that are making this known, where after they've been deplatformed, they'll search for their name in one of their article headlines and it won't be the first result. And some of the trials, I think, with Google showed that the word that you type in is often changed to a different term that comes up with more searchers mm -hmm. that pay more money to be there and get you to buy more stuff. And so it's a very interesting twist. So it's like, you know, book banning is very visceral in your face, but book burning can take many, many forms. And we're mm -hmm. seeing two new ones that have come out because we have things like computers and the internet where it's taken on this word like deplatform and whatever that algorithm was that I can't recall right now. Shadow and it just, it would, yeah, exactly. So it's just like to get from there to this is just blatant book burning or censorship takes a bit, pretty big leap of faith of being like, I'll listen to this argument rather than dismissing it outright as either a conspiracy or just like, who the fuck? I don't want to hear this. And it's very interesting because, you know, call it what it is. And well, let's, um, this is, yeah. Let's go back to the, we were talking about earlier, the Trump dove charges. It's a oh, good yeah, example. Sure. Cause this, this, this will show you the completionist view of the Orwellian media landscape that we're, we're delving into so we have oh, someone yeah. donald trump i think we can agree is pretty bad person was probably mm -hmm. a pretty bad president yeah you see like a systematic um a systematic uh attempt in the courts to i don't to you know 
I would say stymie the democratic process. Like, dude, I get it. It's all corrupt. But, you know, hey, he got there on an electoral college and the Senate didn't convict him. So he kind of got away with this whole insurrectionist thing for now. So I don't think your 14th Amendment really helps. Then we're, we come to this book burning side of the of the of the equation. And um, there's a movie that gets played very often this time of year, Home Alone. And there's a movie that gets played almost sure. as often, Home Alone 2, because they're both Christmas pictures. Now, the distinction <laughs> of Home Alone 2 is that it has a, a cameo, a beautiful cameo appearance. I show up Kevin McAllister, very great kid, doing really well in terms of pictures. Oh, yeah. Kevin McAllister. Yeah. And so, you know, Kevin's walking through and, and Trump, um, you know, pops in and he's like, oh, it's over there. He has like a one line. It's not even a joke. It's nothing. And of course, the whole thing was it was just a deal to use his hotel for filming. You know, he gets a little bit of publicity because that's what he was all about back then. Is just selling his art of the deal books or whatever. And Disney <laughs> or whomever produced that uh, needed a deal on a place to film the hotel. So this is what I think you should do, Mr. Trump. I think you should now sue the Disney Corporation because if you watch this film now, they have cut him out on streaming platforms. So unless you have that little plastic copy of this from when you were a kid, you might not be able to see the, the Donald and all of his 1990s cinematic widescreen glory. Really? Um, so you're saying the one that streams online? That's right. right. They took out. I already heard they took out the the, the scene, the opening scene to Chinatown was taken out. I heard. I think this <laughs> oh, is just, he's in it? obviously going to happen more. <laughs> that and more. part where he's no, in it was like I think it was wife. a no, it was a rape. Scene. Oh, there's some rapey stuff in that movie. Has one of my favorite lines where, but it's still censorship. It's saying we're going to still air this, but take out this part of it because but we they don't. Kept, think and they keep in the Jewish joke <laughs> when he says, "Does your father accept?" Or um, I'm sorry. Does your facility accept people of the Jewish persuasion? I'm afraid we don't. That's great. Neither does dad. They'll keep that one in. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> that because anti-Semitism is now always the scene. A hoot. Always and a hoot also now. now like the biggest thing in town. They're like, how many more can we get of you to believe us? Let's okay. start the cycle afresh. All right. All right. So anyway, they edit him out. I think he should go after him and be like, you used my hotel. For your stupid movie, Home Alone, that would have not done well at all without me, without Trump. And I'm going to talk about myself in the third person. Because that's what great people do. Um, Yeah, he should sue them because he's they're reneging on his deal. He's no longer getting the publicity of being in that movie, but they're still benefiting from the fact that it was filmed at his hotel. Can't back out of a deal like that. Come on, Donald, you know a deal. You're the man that sold the what's it called the big and tasty at mcdonald's great burger it's great burger. Illegal. the big yeah. and tasty was a great an underrated burger man a lot of people say oh the whopper the whopper wendy's they got a square burger but you know i myself am a big mac guy but i say take the bread out because mm, you gotta keep this peyton manning body so they yes, take the bread out yes, but the big and tasty it's got still the same amount of beef but there's no uh, bread in the middle. So I'm the guy that knows a deal. Like You're right, Lee. I know a deal. And they Disney struck a deal with me to make that picture in my hotel. And I want 
to be in the rest of the movie. I want them to deep fake me onto Daniel Stern and what's his name? Joe. What's the little guy's name? Joe Pesci's face. I want both. I want to be both bad guys and Kevin and Kevin. I want you to deep fake me with Macaulay Culkin slapping his hands on my beautiful, beautiful face. And that's, those are my demands. Okay. And I'm not going to take a penny less. Sir, you didn't ask for any money. A penny. Thank Can you. I give That's you another I suggestion? I know you like multiple strategies, Mr. Trump. Can I give you yes. another suggestion for a yes, strategy? Give me a strategy. So let's call that the let's call that the legal entente. I want to do a political one too. So as you know, all charters for businesses in the US are chartered by the government. Mm. So make the, the campaign to get into the political, use your political power to take away the charters of when those I, businesses. When I am in charge. Box. I will take away the charters of anybody, any business, except those that are banned by, what's the thing where you don't do business with Israeli companies? S&M? B- BDSM. BDSM. Unless you're a BDSM con- country, a company, I'm going to kick you out. So that means we only get Starbucks and Ben and Jerry's. What, what else? Sabra Hummus. That's all you get. So if you want to get your telecommunications from Sabra Hummus, that's fine by me. But that's what you're going to get with the second Donald Trump that I could tell you. Well, damn. Uh, wait, you're running on providing me internet by Sabra <laughs> Food Company? No, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, if you're going to do the BDSM to some beautiful companies like mm-hmm. McDonald's, then I'm gonna t- and you're saying that I could use this business license thing. I'm going to take away the business licenses of any business that's not on that list. And you'll see how well yeah. you do. You'll see how well to you me, do. Because America cause to me, might run on Dunkin's, but it gets out of fucking bed for McDonald's, bitch. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Mr. President, calm down. God. Yeah. Ugh. Seriously. Did you like, <laughs> like, how did he get? I'm everywhere. I thought this was encrypted. I'm every, I am encryption. They have just, they've, Taken a chat jeep, they've taken a, a generative AI model and they've put me in every Zoom call. So every time ah. someone's on Zoom, then I'm here commenting. It's a special and deal. And did you also just change the definition of the word encrypted so that mm-hmm. it just breath? I did. Trump, I did. it just says see Donald J. Trump entry. Wow, that's impressive. Wow. Did we ever, speaking of Donald J. Trump, did we ever figure out what uh, Bernie Sanders' middle name was? Was it like, was it Bernie? Like how Mario's name is Mario Mario. Could be Muhammad. Luigi's name is Luigi Mario. Like Bernie Sanders name. My name is Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. What's your middle name? My middle name is Bernie Sanders. Yeah. His middle name is his full name. You're like, (laughs) wow. Dude, that is Bernie. Quote Bernie Sanders. Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders. (laughs) Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. That's how you that pronounce it. It is my full name. It is my full name. Is it Bernie, Bernie Sanders, Sanders? You're like, no. No, my no name it is Bernie, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, Sanders. 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 Oh, you people. Ooh, you people? Excuse me, Mr. Sanders? No, no, no. That's not what I meant. I meant all black people. No, that's not what I meant no. either. <laughs> but also the others. You're like, which others? You're like the other category that they have on the census. <laughs> the others, the Nicole Kidman movie. Nicole Kidman? Others. Really? The others is Nicole Kidman? Is she? I don't know. I don't know. There's a certain there's a certain period of Nicole Kidman movies 
and Kate Winslet movies that I think corresponds to when I was in college and I don't remember which one's a Kate Winslet. Revolutionary Road. What who's that? Revolutionary Road. Is that Kate Winslet? And the hours. You know what I I say the hours? The others. The hours is definitely her. The others, the hours, and road to not road to perdition. Road. Road, road to world. jurisdiction? <laughs> no, whatever the revolutionary road. Those are three movies. I don't know who's in it. And uh, I feel like it was from a time period where I don't remember anything. And it confuses wow. me. And I try not to think about it. So don't use the term other. <laughs> okay. And then there's also Noted. Lives of Others. But I remember that one. That one's like a communist. The Lives movie. of Others. Yeah, that one's good. It is? Yeah, it's like a oh, bald right. guy, bald West KGB or East, East, uh, sorry, East German. Uh, he's an East German spy. Wow. Um, I did go 12 years without watching. I watched one Wally. That was the only new movie I saw for a 12 year period. And half of that movie is just him watching an old movie. Hello, Dolly. But on his own day, so I got to watch the lives of others. I didn't realize this is what oh, it's yeah, all about. Now I got to see it. I've taken all of your movie recommendations and watched all of them. And all of them so far have been good. Been good. Yeah. Waterloo. Or better than good. Like, Waterloo. So they, couldn't get, they tried to get yeah. Richard Burton for Waterloo, but they couldn't. So they got Rod Steiger. But Rod Steiger's great. Like Rod Steiger is has been in hell of classic movies over the years, and I think he is way less distracting as Napoleon. I think like if Richard Burton had just been Napoleoning around in that little haircut, it would be interesting. As I love seeing late period uh, Richard Burton just drinking himself around a set, but like I don't think we would have got a decent performance. And then there's going to get yeah, Peter O'Toole to be. Christopher Plummer, but I like Christopher Plummer more than Peter Toole, so I think they fucking left it. What if the two one. Frozen sisters, the sisters from Frozen, played Napoleon? Oh, the, and then, the girls and the from um, Elsa yeah, and Anna? Yeah, they're the girls from Wicked. Well, right? Elsa and Anna are in that's Frozen. A, that's Frozen it's Adina Menzel and Kristen Well, Schoen. those are the voices. I'm talking about the characters. Oh. Like, the voices could you be, know I don't have any distinction. I'm talking about the character. The the governor of Cal- former governor of California is the Terminator. I cannot make distinctions between real life people and characters. You know this. This is a disease I have. I know. So fine. So Elsa and Anna have to be Adina Menzel and um <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth. No, it wasn't Kristen Chenoweth you know was wicked. What? Yeah, isn't it the same tricks? It's got to be. No, I saw a different movie. Just... I think. Who the fuck's in that? I can't believe I'm looking it up. Frozen. <laughs> Yeah, this seems like we should actually, in terms of speaking of censorship, let's self-censor. And when you go back and listen to the tapes, (laughs) cut this out. I'm not going to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's why I said that. Because I know that that's also going to be. Dina Menzel. Oh, it's Kristen Bell. Who the fuck's Kristen Bell? Yeah, because Kristen Bell. She was in the show, um, The the Good Place. Oh, yeah. She's the chick from the singing one. What's the one where they sing? Glee? No, the other one. High school musical? No. No. Uh Romeo. No, am I confusing with something else? Probably. I don't know. I'm not good at these. Even the show that I love, I can't remember who's in them. Pitch perfect. Is she the one? Perfect. I probably. I could look, but I don't want to. Is it just some that's I've got a computer right here? Wait, no, that's Anna Camp. What? Anna Camp. There's two Annas in that. Anna Kendrick, the famous one. Anna Camp. Who I thought was, I'm going down like a deep rabbit hole. So first of all, since Indina Menzel was in Frozen, I assumed that the blonde chick was Kristen Chenoweth from Wicked. I've been operating on this assumption for 
10 years. That's hilarious. I should have, I don't know why, because I was obsessed with Wicked. Uh, yeah, I love that show. My wife, for a surprise birthday, brought me to Wicked Live because I was just going around the house singing it. I saw Dina, I saw Dina in it on Broadway. It was after Dina won the Emmy, so or I'm sorry, the Tony. So she did like another run, but then Shanaweth quit. It's so weird that when the one that doesn't win the Tony goes and quits, and the one that does stays because the other one's like, Well, I gotta go out and find a Tony somewhere else. But okay, so I assumed that that was Kristen Shanaweth. It's not. So then I looked up who she was and then i saw her kristen bell and i assumed kristen bell was the girl from pitch perfect but no the girl from pitch perfect is anna camp the other anna that's in pitch perfect i don't know anything i don't know anything ben lee you know what you know (laughs) and it's obviously a rounding error what do you mean be statistically significant bluey was a boy does your does byron watch bluey this blue no. show okay it's like a show with the australian dogs i know are. what blue is <laughs> okay anyway i know everything i actually have assistance it doesn't really matter if bluey's a boy or a girl obviously and so we just let obviously. our son think that it's a boy but it doesn't matter this is these are the these are the covid kids like they're not the it's, gender it's, the, uh, not gonna care. yeah it's it's a shapeshifter which is it good to be, have some character it won't be like a revelation Here, you want to see exactly how um, the different generations deal with gender. We're at a Hanukkah party, okay? And uh, we're talking about Bluey. And I'm like, well, Bluey, he, he, beep. And then someone's like, oh, no, Bluey's a girl. And there's like a kid there who's like, oh, okay. I don't know. That. Cool. And then there's, and then me, the millennium, I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It's okay. With Bluey could be whatever gender you want, okay? And then like the baby boomer grandparent was like, <laughs> he's a boy what the fuck are you talking about the boomers don't accept this they got verbally um no they were just the most concerned they were just the most concerned like the 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 kids like who cares the millennials like i'm gonna fucking make a woke stand about it and then the boomers just like cannot control themselves <laughs> it's an odd thing to ask that we're putting on the air because we're already yeah. uh, representing our voice somewhere else. <laughs> okay. But how do you imagine the world being different if, say, 100,000th of all the words that have ever been spoken could be spoken from here on out? So for every 100,000 words that we actually say, we get one in this new scenario. Oh, nice. How would the world, what would be different? I think we'd get more people just going, hell yeah. Or damn, you yeah. Know what I mean, like just being more. I think it would be an odd nature problem. You you're just going around, be like, damn. Things would be like quiet. Watching- it would be beautiful. You'd have to be efficient in work meetings. Can you imagine being in our old job where someone would be like, say something that would take an hour to say, and then be like, I am going to push back on that, and someone's going to be like, I'm going to shut down your pushback. Like if we had yeah. just made it at that work that you could only do that one in one thousand word thing you were just talking about, people would just be like, hell yeah, yeah, or. Or Damn. if someone asks you, I think the quickest way to start is if somebody asks you a yes or no question, start by a- a- answering the yes or no answer with one word. And then maybe if you think you should talk about it more. But what yes. I love is in these meetings where someone asks a very direct like yes or no question to someone who they know they need the authority to move forward. And then they just bloviate. And you're like, yes and, or and it's no. fun when it's interesting. 
That's why people like us, we bloviate all the time, but at least it's like inclusive and fun to listen to half the time. But some people are like, what are you talking about? This, (laughs) I am not interested in hearing this, or I've heard it a thousand times. You're like, I am so lost in what are you saying? I have no idea if this is still the same sentence as you started three minutes ago. So it just makes no sense. Nobody wants to hear. And you're like, could you just tell me yes or no, please? And like, let's just move on with our lives. Like, like those are the ones where should start with well even if it's a yes even if it's not a yes or no someone just says well or what i love is well let me think about it and then just keep talking don't wait for the translation answer me me now that's a that's a little bit of uh un slash star trek humor for you folks but anyway yeah it would be nice huh well here's a perfect example uh, someone asked Lauren Bobert, no, not Lauren Bobert, Nikki Haley on the campaign trail. A kid, I think, asked, like, what was the cause of slavery? I'm sorry, <laughs> what was the cause of the Civil War? Now, you can go into a long explanation, like, due to several conditions, including this, especially slavery, blah, 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 happened. But you can also just answer that question and be like, slavery. These yeah. days, someone will argue against it, but I think that's a, a good answer. And I don't know specifically if she started with, but she did not mention slavery once when someone asked what caused the civil there's the thing you, even if you're one of those people who's like it was about many things in addition to slavery like okay fine you still probably should bring that up but she listed off a lot of reasons and slavery was not any of them <laughs> so yeah that's why people love authority positions of power because they get to kind of just create a new reality just by speaking well, that's what, yeah, that's and, just kind of what worries me is that we just will we'll lose things. So hang yeah. on to your copies, your clamshell copies of Home Alone 2 and your copies of whatever that nonsense you were talking about is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's human just... nature. And it, uh, Lee, excuse me, it's called Human Nature and History. Like it's pretty profound, man. All right. So either that's out of print because it's dangerous text or it's out of print because it's it's dang- It is dangerous. It- okay, good. It call, calls liberalism flimsy in the first couple pages of the intro. So right off the bat, I'm reading like, Atta right yeah. now. About it's a novel about Muhammad Atta, and um, oh, wow. it's fucking rad. It's written by Jarrett Kobeck, who I've talked about on this program before. He's the guy who wrote my what I think is the greatest work about the Zodiac Killer and probably the city of San Francisco, Motor Spirit. Uh, he wrote this book beforehand. It's a it's a novel about Muhammad Atta, who is of course a uh, 9-11 hijacker and bomber. And I just think in this time where we're going through this crazy escalation of the war on terror, so to speak, in uh, in Gaza, that if we truly want to achieve peace, we need to be able to like go into the minds of people that we consider our enemies. And I'm not comparing like, I'm not even, I'm not saying Hamas is the same as Al-Qaeda or whatever. I'm just saying like, we have, we understand Hamas in our world to be like our enemy, just as we understood the 9-11 hijackers to be. So I'm going to try to read this novel and embrace things that I think are scary and foreign or whatever from the pers- from the first person perspective, just to kind of explore that feeling a little bit and try to put myself in the shoes of the enemy. And it is an amazing work and it is very dangerous and my wife to the point where she's like you're not reading that at work like where there's security cameras and i'm like nope i'm not um 
but uh that's the kind of work no, that you totally, want to hang yeah. on to like I, I don't know what's gonna in the where the place to where we're going as a country i don't know where books like that are gonna exist we're like a gay turkish immigrant san francisco liberal writer writes a book was like hey why don't you take the someone that you probably think is one of the most evil people in modern history and you hop in their shoes and see things see their life through their their um their eyes and the way that they describe new york it's awesome like the 9-11 hijackers like the leaders like all right we're gonna go into Times square i'm gonna show you what we're up against can you imagine that like can you imagine being like undercover and what you consider to be the lion's den it was just a revelatory moment of like whoa that that's crazy how much they felt and then just the things that we consider to be like scary about the middle eastern world like that we have to realize like that culture that seems like foreign to us is very comfort comforting and and is home to so many people you know like the way in movies where like music's like nah, you know and it's like doing the the call to prayer and all this like racist ass shit you know people's fear of of like burkas or whatever like there's a lot of people in the world when they see that they probably go ah. and i'm not making a judgment for or against those people but it's just interesting to hop. That was the thing that really like yeah. allowed I mean, me to kind of come around a corner. And I think literature is important for this very reason. So that we don't, uh, the best way to not turn people into an abstraction is to, is to put yourself in their position for at least. A yeah. Second. Yeah. I think what it is, is it shows the difficulty of approaching things from a, in a more intellectual way. So just say like the ethos of, um, the Enlightenment era, just in the sense of seeking out knowledge, sometimes for its own sake. And so it often happens in this vortex of liberalism being seen as some sort of pinnacle of some hegemonic pinnacle of different forms of structuring things. But liberalism is the ultimate. Once you get there, history is over, you know, the well, end it, of history. Because it, it lacks but an then, intellectual curiosity that the no, Enlightenment what it, it, scholars had. It's not that it lacks, it, it does in part because it, there's not much there and it doesn't mm. really tell you anything about the intellectual curiosity of someone. So the biggest false thing is just equating it with being, say, open to ideas and all this. It doesn't, that's not really what it means. That's how it's often interpreted, but it's, it doesn't work that way. Um, and it hasn't ever. And so what you get is just, just an ever increasing, just what people call divisiveness right now. Yeah. Because some see themselves as these like pinnacles of, of knowledge and other ones is terrible. And then the others. But see no one's happy. No one's happy. Statistically Our, happiness. Well, it's bringing a lot of people. Down. Well, in my mind, it's just like, it brings a lot of people that might otherwise be happy down right. to just. Well, that's what we forget about the enlightenment. It wasn't necessarily just about like knowledge and truth and 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 that. It, oh, was, it was about, about happiness. It's about yeah, happiness. about ex through exploration of the human spirit and trying to just understand different perspectives and how we think about the world. So if someone has developed a really long perspective, even if you don't agree with it or some parts are just appalling, still read and think about Have the some whole goddamn thing. curiosity about it exactly that's the, or, that's or just don't latch were... on to one little like phrase or idea yeah. that either is in passing or is one of the like central points but not the totality of it and just like completely dismiss it on that because that's said to be you know it just 
And so just that anti-intellectualism, really. Yeah. And so it's and plenty uh, of enlightenment thinkers had their own hangups like that. I mean, most yeah, those guys does. were way those yeah. guys were way too into God for my taste of it. I love it. Like I, I think it was Rousseau. Someone was like arguing that that animals could be extinct and they were so like you know the fossilized woolly mammoths and shit this really flipped people out during the enlightenment because it was like it proved a couple of things it proved like that the earth was older than we thought you know people were like the earth's ten thousand years old what are you talking about but something that's more important in a way and less studied is that it also introduced the idea of extinction or, or really just change in the animal world. The idea that because someone was like, dude, these woolly mammoths that we found fossils of, they do not resemble any current animals. And we have different types of elephants as neither the Indian or the African. So they must be wow. extinct. Whereas people were like, no, why would God create something just to take it out of the world? So it was one of the enlighteners. He said, you know, and I might have even be might have even been Thomas Jefferson. I can't, but someone was like, Hey, um, yeah, the woolly mammoth's extinct. And someone was like, no, God would not do that. No, it couldn't have been Thomas Jefferson, but it was somebody who was like, oh, yeah. God well would done. not, why would God create a woolly mammoth just to get rid of it? No, it must be somewhere. There must be some lost world. So that's really where the idea of like the lost world emerges, right? It, it emerges from kind of like a post enlightenment, like hindrance of the imagination by a God that like, it couldn't be the dinosaurs are gone. Dinosaurs are just like hiding in some fucking island and need to be discovered and turned into a theme park. Um, so well, yeah. But these guys were philosophers and scientists. That's why the Enlighteners yeah. were so cool. Is like now we see like people are philosophers or they're scientists. Like people called science like the I think they called it like physical philosophy or something like that. I mean, it was like um my so my parents asked me the other day that you know we we're just talking about all this stuff and my mom was like god with all the technology today like do you think even like philosophy like even matters and i said look we figured out life like we know we have the technology to feed and house everyone we do we could we could do it tomorrow and then my dad just has this moment and he goes but we choose not to and i said exactly and that is why philosophy is the only science that now matters in a way. Obviously, we need to cure cancer and solve uh, and solve global warming. But philosophy no, is the, is the well, only no, science that I really... No, I don't believe... No, no, no. Philosophy, yes, but we don't need to cure cancer and fix global warming. Because in our attempt, it assumes that any action will get you closer to your desired outcome. But not doing it can actually be better. If we look at our track record and trying to do certain things maybe better just to not do that Lee. Okay. so let's just only have philosophy all right and nothing Fine. else and let's not define philosophy either let's go that far when people are like well what do you mean by philosophy you're like philosophy and just say it with like in it in a way where they're like oh that's cool like just keep it as like the secret handshake kind of thing yeah i don't i don't know but anyway, no, you want to do those other things too. But I got a question before, because I like this, uh, the extinction, but when we're on the other side of the extinction, can we still podcast? Or when we go extinct? Uh, or yeah, or would we be no. like the last two left just still podcasting in the no, whole No, I world? think we would be discovered as a fossil. 
I also love the idea that someone just gets fossilized doing the thing that most represents who they are. <laughs> yeah, and there's like so many people holding their phone up to their mouth. We're like, we we name this, and they have some other name for it, but we called it podcasting. And it's all these represent, it's all these like fossilized forms holding a phone up to their mouth so that the audio quality is just a little bit better because they don't want to get a a whole boom mic and stuff, a whole setup. Yeah, well, like all those and people who. Uh, who got you know there's like people fucking after mount vesuvius erupts and stuff or pompeii is that is that mount vesuvius pompeii. The same pompeii? no pompeii was thousands of years ago vesuvius was very recently shut up i knew that i'm smart i'm smart michael so yeah it's almost new year's it's time to start watching uh it's time to start watching godfather part two Oh god! I didn't know those figures. I'm gonna watch yes. them. Oh yeah, it does yeah, have so. the scene. I forgot about because you know what I used to do. I used to watch from the courtroom scene onward. Oh. And almost every when I first moved to LA, when we first thing. met, after, but you missed the you missed the bar mitzvah, the Italian bar mitzvah. At the beginning. That's why I don't. For, I forgot these things because from the day that we met, Lee, I'm telling you, from the day we met in LA. During that first year I was here, there was a period where every single afternoon when I, after I biked home, uh, I would watch from the courtroom scene to the end of Godfather 2 as a ritual. It lasted a, several weeks. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. I just never thought of it as a, as a New Year's movie, but that's great. Now it gives me another... Absolutely. absolutely. It's the New Year's movie in my opinion. Wow. But, so I'm um, going to have to do that. Yeah, I was just thinking like... you're. I, Oh, my baby's screaming. Well, I think I think I should uh, probably go hang out with my kids. It's yeah, Friday. This was an admirable Friday New Year session. We did this, and I think we're keeping it tight. This is end up end up being like an hour, which is what we should be doing. I think, yeah, I think next. Best. I was going to ask you right off the bat, but you got right into the whole uh, the season of the Supremes. Um, okay. What do we call them? Uh, Donna Summers and the Supreme and the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court. <laughs> Uh, so, but what I want to say is when we, when we relaunch in January, I want to hear about some of the developments at headquarters of oh, Liberal Girl Radio. We are getting a new send me a, a bunch of updates, but let's not get into that. Let's sign off for the new year and let's pick it All up right. fresh next year. All right. Well, thanks everybody out there in LGR land. Uh, we appreciate another great year of potting and, uh, we'll be back next year, bigger, badder than ever. And, uh, you'll continue to get that same intermittent a stream of occasional content of questionable quality. And we always promise to say the word liberal, at least use the word liberal, liberally. Apply liberally. I promise not to express gently. anyone else's opinion except my own, because mine is so stupid. Um, right. <laughs> I'm just going to assume I'm not expressing anyone else's opinion because uh, I'm sure everyone else just thinks I sound like a raving lunatic. And God bless you for it. Happy New Year's, everybody. We'll see you next year. Ciao. Ciao.